Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to episode 11 already. We've done 10 amazing episodes and I can't believe we're already on episode 11. So let's talk about today's topic, Scooby-Doo. Originally this episode was going to be on Scooby-Doo, the Unmasked Mystery, the 2002 live action movie, one of my favorite childhood movies. Uh, it came out in 2002, so I was, I was 8 years old. I was a huge Scooby-Doo fan. There was the new animated series that had just started uh, in 2002, one of the many reboots. Uh, but as I went into the rabbit hole and did a lot of my background research for this episode, uh, I quickly realized that Scooby-Doo is such an amazing character, such a huge franchise. This quickly became Scooby-Doo episode. It's more of a special. We're going to jump into the history of Scooby-Doo and we're going to look at where the origins of Scooby-Doo started. So let's jump into Scooby-Doo. Now, Scooby-Doo has 16 TV series, two live-action movies, 35 direct-to-DVD movies, 20 video games, which was news to me. I've been missing out on the video games, 13 comic books, and five stage shows as of 2019. I believe there's like five or six more since then. Uh, that includes the Scoob uh, 2019, Scoob exclamation point 2019 movie uh, that came out during pandemic. But that is a mind-boggling amount of content. It really encapsulates all of the forms of entertainment that we talk about here on the nerd review so let's jump into scooby-doo and the origin of scooby-doo and so we go all the way back to 1968 so that's if you're uh if you're a scooby-doo fan initiated scooby-doo fan uh that's actually a year before the first series the first episode would air scooby-doo where are where are you premiered september 13th 1969 53 years ago let that sink in now the road to scooby-doo where are you is a bit obscure if we go all the way back to 1968 like i said the year before scooby-doo would hit the air uh people attribute it to the creation of scooby-doo to the moral panic that happens in the wake of the JFK assassination and then the subsequent assassination of Senator Robert Kennedy. Activist groups and the government alike took aim at this, quote, violence in the media, lamenting that this was corrupting youths and people's mind and making people violent. This campaign worked, and these so-called violent shows, uh, th and I say violent in quotes because they were uh, attributing violence to what would, what is considered action-adventure um, animated series, uh, maybe the series of the time that were aimed at adults. Maybe these were a bit more violent, the cowboy shooters and whatnot, what have you, what, that was airing, but in terms of Saturday morning cartoons, they were taking aim at the new adventures of Superman and Space Ghosts, the Herculoids, uh, Birdman and the Galaxy Trio. Uh, a large portion of those are Hanna-Barbera shows, and they lamented that these series, and uh, the idea here is that the violence in these series, the space adventures of superheroes, you know, fighting constantly, always in peril, uh, was the 
the maybe the not the sole reason but it was a contributing factor that's what it was it was a contributing factor that would lead children to violence and i mean if you if you dumb it down to one sentence the way i saw it the way i see it was you allow kids to watch vi violent quote quote violent action adventure that's what it really is parentheses <laughs> quote action adventure series in the morning saturday morning cartoons they are going to grow up and assassinate the president and they're going to assassinate senators and they're going to be violent individuals because of all that superman superheroing action adventure saturday morning saturday mornings saturday morning hijinks uh it's a leap and it's one of those cause and correlation cause and effect mix up things that happens uh quite often with the media and these act so-called activist groups um so we could lament all day about uh you know they canceled these series but uh they also worked with these uh, production companies to create some of the series that would follow um while lamenting actually but so before we before we leave the lamenting phase i would like to lament about um the pinnacle or i wouldn't say the pinnacle the resurgence that happens uh in the 90s so these activist groups they they come up in the 60s the late 60s and they cancel basically everything so those campaigns worked and the, from the pressure of those activist groups and the government after these assassinations um networks started canceling all their series and the ones that i mentioned space ghost the herculoids uh birdman and the galaxy trio they are all canceled by the end of 1969 uh, because of the pressure from these groups and so it didn't last obviously by obviously i say obviously because i'm a child of the 90s and i'm you know right now i'm currently rewatching like gargoyles and some other 90s series and i'm always left with like wow the 90s was ruthless like these are these were series for kids like there's blood and and they're you know they're they're, they're swords and fighting people and i and and it's 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 kind of uh, funny because in the light of like what happened in the 60s right um but so what happens in the 90s in, in my point of view is uh for lamenting to keep you know somewhat of a train of thought here going uh was after the success of the first tmnt teenage mutant ninja turtles live action movie in 1990 it was concerned parents groups pretty much the same ones from the 60s that would uh pressure the production companies that the tmnt was too violent and it was these these activists that uh, convinced them to remove some of the violence from tmnt2 which led to so much stupidity on film uh they weren't allowed to use nunchucks they're using you know strings of sausage as nunchucks they're knocking the baddies into trash bins and then spinning them around and the worst was when the turtles uh three of them are you know they were they're trying to save Raphael from the foot and from shredder and they they set in set foot in a trap and this big rope net comes up and they're all stuck in the rope net and they they can't get out and clearly on Leo's back is two big swords that have not been unsheathed 
for the entire film. And <laughs> it's just like, it led to nonsensical uh, things happening in the movie. And, uh, you know, that was that was too much meddling. And, you know, you could just give a movie a higher rating or, you know, just accept that there are some, you know, they're supposed to be ninjas. Um, it's fantasy. They're turtles. There are these big turtles that are fighting ninjas. And, I mean, a lot of it is sparring, too, uh, in the defense of these fantasy films. It, it, you know, sparring with a sword is yes violent but they're heroes right how is it any different from iron man coming down and firing rockets and i mean in the first iron man movie he i mean i assume he killed all those those terrorists and i mean that was like acceptable entertainment for the family but you know in different times and different you know depending on what's happening at the time there are these different views that it's like oh well that's violent and if you show that to a child he's gonna grow up and kill the president but by the 90s and then again, you know, in the you know early 2000s, well, late 2000s, close to the 2010s, uh, it's just like, oh, well, that's totally acceptable violence. He's just, you know, a superhero taking out bad guys again. And it's funny how the, the wheel just keeps spinning and, you know, we come back to the same points, you know, in society and, and in, you know, in the in the the. the you know the wheel of debate if you will that we just keep debating the same things over and over again and so that was a tangent uh, and a little bit of a lamenting period on these activist groups and how they can really you know screw up a good series or hinder something that could have been great the the follow-up to tmnt should have tmnt2 should have been so much better than what we got let's be honest and a lot of what we got was because of these activist groups so that's my two minutes on <laughs> on that so i digress uh let's get back to the point here now the main takeaway and the main point is that these parents these concerned parents activist groups and the government alike they ended a lot of good shows these action adventure shows that they deemed too violent for the audiences for youths at the time and this is before we had you know dedicated networks like the detour or you know streaming platforms where you could get around fcc or you know regulators and you could just create adult entertainment uh this is a long time before that so animated series are for saturday morning cartoons and therefore children and they're going to get censored and that is what the landscape is at the time and so yeah they they end up canceling a lot of these good shows but they do influence how future shows would be made they served as advisors to hanna-barbera and other animation studios to ensure that the new programs would be quote safer for children and this does actually lead to some of pretty ma pretty amazing shows that are still relevant in pop culture to this very day uh, the first came in the form of the archie show uh, from Filmation based on Bob, Bo Bob Montana's hit comic series Archie and it was the success of the Archie show and the musical aspects of the show that would get the gears rolling towards Scooby and the gang making themselves household names though even the names we love and know now went through some serious changes now at the behest of Fred Silverman the network executive in charge of kids programming for CBS uh, wanted more of the Archie show Ar Archie show <laughs> Archie show success say that five times fast uh, his rough idea was this to combine the series like the old radio solving mysteries with the Archie comic uh, the Archie show the Archie comic show uh, thus 
teenagers, also musicians, touring America, playing gigs, as well as solving mysteries. The idea was handed off to Hanna-Barbera, having had most of their series canceled at the end of the 1968 uh, uh, season, I would would put it, uh, and, you know, looking for, for more series to put on the air. So Hanna-Barbera takes the the idea and gives it to their lead writers, uh, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. And the artist assigned to the project is Iowa Takamoto, who would go on to design the iconic Scooby-Doo. Uh, they developed the premise on what Silverman had pitched and came up with the Mysterious Five. Five teenagers, Jeff, Mike, Kelly, Linda, and Linda's brother, WW. Those were the name of the gang long before we would have the gang that we know now. And because it was known that Fred Silverman really liked animated dog characters and you can't go wrong leaning into your boss's preferences uh, along for the ride was their bongo playing dog too much. Yes, Scooby-Doo's original name, very rough draft, was too much. And he played the bongos, which has actually been done a lot through many of the iterations of Scooby-Doo. And I guess that's a nod to this original imagining of the gang. Though the gang in this form wouldn't last very long. By the time it was presented to executives for the 1969-1970s Saturday morning lineup, uh, Jeff and Mike had become Ronnie, so they were formed into one character ultimately named Fred according accordingly at the request of Fred Silverman. I guess it would be cool to have a character named after yourself. Uh, Kelly would become Daphne and Linda was renamed Velma. Uh, WW ultimately became Shaggy and was no longer related to Linda or Velma. Uh, and this is the form of the show that was turned down by the CBS executives uh, deeming it too frightening for young viewers and the writers at Hanna-Barbera and Fred Silverman retooled the show once again, dropping the rock band element and focusing more on Shaggy and Too Much, whose name wouldn't change until, uh, anecdotally, according to writers uh, Ruby and Spears, Silverman was inspired by the ad-libbed portion of Frank Sinatra's interpretation of Burt Campfried's song, Strangers in the Night. The ending portion that goes doobie doobie doo, and subsequently re- uh, subsequently decided to rename the dog Scooby Doo, represented the show to CBS under the title Scooby Doo Where Are You. This is the series that would ultimately get picked up and would go to air. Uh, this is what we would become so lovingly adored uh, by by fans everywhere as the first iteration of Scooby-Doo. Uh, we would have Casey Kasem doing the voice of Shaggy, who I fondly grew up listening to doing the Top 40 Countdown. Anytime I would go to my grandparents' place, this is what was playing. You just had Casey Kasem's voice in between these amazing Top 40 Countdown songs. Uh, I've, I have really fond memories of just sitting in the living room and you just having that on in the background. You know, we were kids, we were doing whatever, coloring, playing with our this amazing pinball machine that we used to have. Uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot of those those uh, fond memories while while listening to uh, Casey Kasem's uh, Shaggy over the course of the last couple of weeks. We, we watched a lot of the Halloween, um, well, Halloween themed. I mean, Scooby-Doo is, you know, has a lot of Halloween themes in there the witches go zombie islands we were watching a lot of those 35 direct to dvd uh 
these. I say I say we. That's me and uh, my girlfriend and I. We were watching these movies during the Halloween, um, the month of Halloween, uh, which is just wrapped up. It is now November, and we're moving into holiday movies. So I thought it was a good time to get in this non-holiday, non-Halloween episode of Scooby-Doo uh, in between here, uh, while we have so much else going on. And so, yeah, I just just a little little tangent there on Casey Kasem and listening to, you know, growing up, listening to him on the radio. Uh, what a voice. What a voice for, you know, media and, and uh, radio. And it was it's great having this, uh, you know, time capsule, you know, of, of, of Scooby-Doo and Casey Kasem as this iconic character of Shaggy, who would be uh, replaced in 2009 when uh, Casey Kasem would retire uh, from from acting and voice acting he was replaced by Matthew Lillard who is you know he played Shaggy in the first live action movie and in my opinion if if you're going to replace you know the original voice of Shaggy you replace him with the living embodiment of Shaggy like come on I still can't get over the amazingness that is Matthew Lillard in in 2002 in his you know they will say costume but it's a green t-shirt and and brown pants so let's it's, it's pushing the the definition of what a costume is and let's go with his iconic outfit in in his iconic outfit and a little soul patch i mean he is shaggy he is norval shaggy rogers let's just you know let's call it as it is so i mean if you're gonna hand off your torch uh i think that's an amazing way to hand off your torch to like i said the living embodiment of a, of a fictional character in real life uh I, I think you know you read you read comments or you know people's review of the the 2002 live action movie which uh, again was originally going to be the entire topic of this of this episode uh so i was doing a lot of uh you know reading the backgrounds the behind the scenes stuff like that and it's something that everybody kept saying you know like this movie was pretty good uh you know maybe this movie was mediocre but uh, at the bottom it was but oh my god the amazing casting matthew willard is shaggy in real life you know that's just that's what it always said um so that was you know we had casey Kasem in the original uh scooby-doo there was Frank Welker doing the voice of Fred. We had Stephanie Anna, Stephanie Anna Christofferson. That's a mouthful of a name doing the voice of Daphne Blake. And we had Nicole Jaff doing Vel Velma Dinkley. Now, the original series ran for two years, two seasons, 25 episodes, 1969 to 1970. And it was it was amazing. I mean, it, it set the path for what we have today. There are new series being developed in, you know, for Amazon, Hulu. Every, everybody has a piece of the Scooby-Doo pie, it would seem right now. There's a bunch of new series in the works. And from this point in the history of Scooby-Doo, it's picked up at CBS, CBC, CBS, 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 yeah, CBS, CBC, CBS, ABC. There are so many freaking acronyms, it's hard to uh, keep up sometimes. So it's at CBS for the duration of those first few years. And it would change hands uh, to ABC eventually, and then it would end up at Warner Brothers, and then the CW. Uh, it played, you know, it wouldn't even enter Teletoon, you know, where I ended up watching it, Teletoon uh, up here in Canada, uh, Canada A. <laughs> up here in Canada it wouldn't it wouldn't hit yeah, Teletoon until 1990 um 
And there's just, you know, there's so many different iterations that would keep coming. It would go into reruns, and then they had the Scooby-Doo movie hour, uh, which were hour-long episodes. Um, It wasn't until uh, 1979 that Scooby's uh, tiny cousin, uh, sorry, nephew, his tiny nephew, Scrappy-Doo, was added to the series. Uh, This was actually an attempt by 1979, the ratings were slipping. So this was an attempt to boost ratings and it worked. Uh, There was, there was was so many other uh, series that were done. Uh, There was a short uh, seven minute Scooby and Scrappy cartoons that actually had um, real villains, real, sorry, not real villains, uh, real supernatural villains, uh, which was before Zombie Island. It, It, it featured most of the villains who were in previously series who were revealed to be humans uh, or criminals in costumes were now real within the context of this series. Uh, one of the so like yeah, one of the first series to include real monsters long before uh, Zombie Island. That's uh, I think that's pretty interesting. And it was around this time, uh, the late seventies, early eighties, that we actually saw the Scooby Gang vary from time to time. Often missing from the gang was Fred and Velma. Uh, this was around the same time that. That we saw in 1985, the debut of one of my absolute favorite iterations of Scooby-Doo is the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Uh, this featured Daphne, Shaggy, Scrappy, and Scooby, and along and along for the ride were new characters like Flim Flam, eh, not maybe not everyone's favorite character, uh, traveling the globe to capture quote the 13 most terrifying ghosts and ghouls uh, on the face of the earth. And this is one of my favorite series. It's highly iconic. Uh, it, the music was amazing. Interesting that they didn't include uh, Fred or Velma, um, but Daphne and Shaggy were great. Uh, there's so many fun episodes. There's the race episode, the race car episode, and uh, the the entire intro for this, uh, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo. You know, with that laugh and and that the little like song curse about how it all begins and the guy with his crystal ball who who looks like a ripoff of like Doctor strange uh, in in a, in a little in some ways in a little bit and uh, that that's one of my favorite uh scooby-doo iterations but there's so many um the the scooby-doo pup hour uh the scrap the scrappy-doo uh what's new scooby-doo where are you scooby-doo um mystery incorporated there's the new one velma i mean 16 different series each series varies from one to five seasons we're we're talking over 20 maybe 30 freaking series of television here spanning 53 years um so i i assume people have uh many favorites different favorites some some they like more than others uh for me it's probably the original uh scooby-doo where are you uh then it would be the 2002 uh the reboot just you know uh, what's new scooby-doo was the title of that one that's because that's for me that's considered like og like i said in 2002 i was eight years old i was aware of some of the uh older scooby-doos i remember uh some great memories uh renting all the scooby-doo movie movie <laughs> movies uh 
is starting to talk like Scooby-Doo now, uh, renting all the direct-to-DVDs at the time, you know, however many were out or available at our local Videotron. So if, if you're not if you're not aware of the uh, Videotron, uh, that's our local, uh, you know, Quebecois version of Blockbuster. Uh, we had both, but, you know, depending on what was closer. Uh, so we would, you know, go up and, and, and rent, you know, three, four DVDs or, or VHSs, depending on what year it was, of the uh, the direct release Scooby-Doo movies, you know, Zombie Island, uh, Cyber Chase, Aloha Scooby-Doo. There's there's so many. Uh, we're I'm, I've been going through most of these. I, I think we're somewhere around the 2000s now, um, maybe 2008 on that list of movies. And some of these were just amazing. So yeah, it was uh, for me. So I would put the original Scooby-Doo, now that I've seen it, the original Scooby-Doo, obviously, de facto, number one. Uh, then it would be What's New Scooby-Doo from 2002. And number three spot, hands down, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. That is just an amazing series. For all the reasons I just said, that's an amazing series. And that's one of the cool parts about one of these series, one of these franchises. It's very uh, akin to Power Rangers. Every few years, you have a new iteration. You put a new style of animation. You get some new writers. You update it. Uh, in 2002, with What's New Scooby-Doo, it also it introduced uh, modern 21st century technology into Scooby-Doo. That was that was something that was hadn't been done before and it it gives the the children you know of that time the opportunity to connect with these ageless iconic characters and that's what happened with me and i assume that's what happened uh with the next level uh, or you know the next iteration of scooby-doo and the iteration after that you know people who are just a few years younger than me uh maybe they preferred uh in 2006 shaggy and scoopy get a clue uh in 2010 uh, scooby-doo mystery incorporated in uh, 2015, be cool, Scooby Doo. You know, the the it's the same thing. Like I said, it's like Power Rangers, and I I personally really love this idea because it instead of something just you know same old, same old. Uh, maybe some people complain that it gets stagnant or the animation never changes. In this version, in this in this opportunity or this uh, not this opportunity, uh, they have the opportunity in this version, I should say, uh, or this method that. You know they can change the design they can change the approach they can make it uh, more funny they can make it more lighthearted they can make it more serious they can focus on you know a B or C instead of X Y and Z and it also gives you know from the the creation side of view uh, point of view uh, from th- you know, if you look at it from that way it gives new writers and new talent and new people the opportunity to you know work on something that they grew up with you know maybe somebody grew up watching you know the 2002 what's new scooby-doo and then 10 years later or 13 12 years later in 2015 maybe they're working on be cool scooby-doo you know that would be something that would be pretty amazing for anybody you grow up reading a comic book or you watch a show and then you grow up and you you know, you dedicate yourself to a talent, to a trade, to something that gets you in a position to influence that thing that influenced you, that inspired you. And I think that's really cool to have these avenues like Scooby-Doo, like The Simpsons, like the comic books, Marvel, MCU, DC, anything it is, Power Rangers. It's a really cool type of uh, powerhouse of a franchise to be in that position. It, it gives them so much connection and with 
with generations it's connection that spans generations that's what it is and in my mind and in my life I feel connected to Scooby-Doo and I have you know I have really good fond memories of Saturday morning cartoons I was lucky enough that I'm old enough or I was young enough at the time to still see um, Saturday morning cartoons on you know WB kids and then it was the Fox box <laughs> and it, it it changed you know every couple years it was something new we were watching it on YTV the zone with uh, sugar and Carlos you know like if you were Canadian and you got to watch YTV you know that was one of the cool things uh, you know getting to come home and have you know some some free time to just relax and you know un you know you know de-stress from the day of uh of being a kid and you know all those complex loops and hoops you got to jump through uh it was nice to come home and have scooby-doo and every couple years you got a new thing of scooby-doo and uh i really enjoyed that so that's the different versions of Scooby-Doo and the, the the tv series and how it came to be so let's let's pivot now to like we're in 2002 at this point in my mind so it's it's uh what's new scooby-doo and it's a great series and on the back of this or during i guess this was part of the reboot they produced the first live action scooby-doo movie this is where matthew willard was introduced we got freddie prince jr as fred we got sarah michelle geller in there as daphne linda cardellini as velma like you got uh, rowan atkinson as mondo avarius <laughs> like this was a freaking great cast and i mean you look at it and it's just like wow they found the they've they found the people to that were were born to play these roles you know if all casting could be that amazing if all for, for adaptations you know some you know, there's great casting that's happening all the time uh but for an adaptation where they drew you know in you know 53 years ago or 30 something years ago before this movie was made in 2002 uh you know if you're looking at from when the first drawings from when that first episode of where are you you know scooby to where are you hit the air it's crazy that you can then look at people and be like oh wow you know that person looks exactly like this drawing and they weren't even born yet so you couldn't say that oh you know maybe the artist was inspired or you know he wanted that person to play this role you know something like that you know which could happen easily today right you could be an artist and you could be like oh you know it'd be so cool if this person played my character and you could you could easily draw that and you can draw their likeness into the character but to have this version where most of these actors were either young children they weren't actors or they weren't even born when the first scooby-doo hits the tv right so like this is just in my opinion that's amazing to be able to go out there and find these actors uh which is just is pretty cool so 2002 comes around and i'm a huge scooby-doo fan already it's it's scooby-doo uh it's what's new scooby-doo which i've said like a thousand times now and i remember seeing the first trailer for scooby-doo and I just, you know, I just screamed. I think I, I probably just screamed, you know, had a little tantrum, like, oh my God, Scooby-Doo. And I, I, I looked at that trailer. It's part of the teaser for this episode. 
and oh man trailers were so amped back then i, I lost the, the the appeal of trailers i find trailers are a bit too long these days um so i want a teaser you know i want it 30 seconds show me some you know grasping visuals um you know if they're doing a reveal of a character that's great there was that was one of the the ads for scooby-doo that i thought was amazing it was this long creep into a mansion and they didn't give it away with the music right away and you know they're like solving mysteries in 2002 and and it's going up the mansion and and you see a shadow and it, it's it's the bat ears right that's the, the silhouette is it looks like bat ears and then it turns and, and it's it's scooby-doo <laughs> coming to theaters and i thought that was that's a great teaser you know that it's it's a bit of subterfuge you don't know what's going on uh they lead you in and then like oh it's a twist you know maybe it looked like batman it could be like a, a new tim burton or you know at the time batman's still pretty popular too uh but to give you that twist of oh it's scooby-doo and then and then like slowly later on they had more trailers you know the second trailer would come out uh which revealed the cast and everything and i think that's that's the great way to do it uh don't just give us a four minute trailer which is basically like a book report on your movie which sometimes you know you watch a trailer and you're like oh well i don't i don't need to watch the movie anymore <laughs> so uh yeah that's just so yeah the trailers were amazing and and then to see the movie to sit down in the theaters eight years old and look up and see for the first time and let's be honest the best out of all of the other live action movies that have been done in the scooby-doo franchise um there was uh there's a there's a there's a there's a term series of diminishing returns that's what comes to mind when you look at the uh scooby-doo live action franchise the live action part of the franchise after the second movie is just like the the casting gets like less less spot on less point on you know it's not matthew lillard it's not freddie prince jr uh sarah michelle is gone linda cardellini is gone uh you know like rowan atkinson is far in the rear view mirror uh and i think like the most recent one was just like two teenagers a puppy in a hallway and a classroom and like it it felt like it was a high school production not something that was done from an actual like production like film house production company and that's just you know that's unfortunate it would have been great to see uh scooby-doo 3 which was going to be greenlit on the back of scooby-doo 2 but unfortunately the ratings had dropped so much the box office had dropped so much by the time that uh scooby-doo 2 came around that they just decided to can the project and we never got uh, scooby-doo 3 with this this original amazing cast that would have just been it would have been so amazing to have that but alas you know we have we have some great animated series and movies that are still coming out so something to look forward to still now that was uh not to say that the 2002 movie wasn't superb so the the backlash or not the backlash but the lower ratings were for scooby-doo uh the sequel second movie so the first one though uh was in my opinion just absolutely absolutely amazing it's everything you want in an adaptation it was campy it had the physical comedy the hijinks uh they did scooby-doo really well considering that it's 2002 and this whole concept of cgi characters and a holy cgi character uh was new and so in the behind the scenes it's a lot of the uh standard you know uh, the actors are talking about how it was difficult to react to air and you know you had to do have 
all these reactions and reacting to nothing essentially and there was all these you know stand-ins and they had props and uh, they used very different ways various different ways of you know uh, you know portraying to the actors the other actors in the scenes what Scooby was doing and what he was saying uh, in one of my absolute favorite scenes and in, it's my favorite behind the scene also is when Scooby is walking down the air the hallway in the airport and he's dressed like grandma and uh, you know uh, Fred is just like who's the ugly old broad and so in that uh, in the making of in the behind the scenes that's actually somebody dressed in like a green suit with this like over embellished uh, buttocks and and you know figure physique under the dress with a with a green screen mask on and the hat walking uh, sorry they didn't have the hat on it was just the green screen mask walking down the hall in these oversized uh, shoes these you know, high heels or whatnot what have you and and as they get closer you know like Freddie Prince Jr. does his line and and like the the mask guy uh, in this you know this costume leans in for the big lick and they have like a big wet roller that they use it's also covered in green that they smear over the side of freddie prince jr's face to do the effect of like him being you know licked so that he could wipe it off his face and uh the the end product is is amazing it you know it's scooby-doo walking down the hallway in uh, in a dress pretending to be grandma and I think it was just, I think it was really well done. Is you know, it's what I've said in previous episodes. It's this layering. You know, they didn't just do VFX or special effects for the dog. They used multiple various ways and methods and techniques to, you know, go show you Scooby-Doo in different ways. And this one was, you know, it wasn't all entirely CGI. It was, there was an actual person and he was wearing a costume. And then they, they layered on Scooby-Doo's, you know, his head and his arms and his tail and everything. But the midsection was all, you know, the, every, everything in that dress was real. The dress was actually there. And I think that's really cool. And it kind of shows you that uh, they were starting to understand that this, you know, this CGI character and these these ideas are really doable if you break it down and, you know, you have some technique and you you layer it uh, in these in these ways. And, uh, I mean, we talked about uh, Rowan Atkinson, too. You know, he ends up at the end. They do the whole special effect uh, spoilers i'm sorry the movie came out 20 years ago uh, isn't that just that in and of itself the scooby-doo movie came out 20 years ago not the original show not the anime the the live action movie is already 20 years old like that's that's crazy it came out in 2002 um so that's just uh yeah so uh, Rowan Atkinson you know at the end they open up his is like chest cavity and the the greatest twist in a Scooby-Doo story is that it was Scrappy-Doo inside Rowan Atkinson and like he was like controlling him the whole time and even that was like really well done you know they had the the, the practical and the CGI all layered into it and Rowan Atkinson in this movie uh was was a gift he's a comedic genius um even you know Freddie Prince Jr. says uh something to that effect in the the making of the behind the scenes uh, footage and it, it just goes to show you that they really you know they they got a really good cast not just the character actors or these actors that they had cast to look like the characters but um the the, the overall cast you know they made there was these new characters you know we'd never seen 
these characters before Mondo Various, as uh, Rowan Atkinson's character was named. But they got they got really good actor form, and you know even he was saying at the time in 2002, um, you know it's you know there's that whole scene where he gives a monologue to Scooby Doo uh, in his office, and in reality that's just. Rowan Atkinson walking around a chair, reacting and acting to to cues, to nothing, to just to just other people saying, you know, and shake your arms and whatnot, and you know, like this is what's going to happen, so this is how you have to act. And uh, I know I can I can see and understand the the struggle and what it would take to uh, you know to to perform like you would if there was somebody in that chair is. You know, it's a really, it's a really amazing, you know, feat of an actor. It shows you their ability to to act against nothing, and that they can really imagine, you know, imagine what it's going to look like. And that was that was what everybody was doing on this cast. And at the time, that was new, and so everybody was saying, you know, it was a challenge. It was something that they had to rise up to. And in all their scenes that included Scooby, you know, they had to, you know, they had to confer like, where are you looking at when you're looking at Scooby? What do you think his face is going to be like in this scene? How is he, you know? reacting to us uh you know and then there's the fight scene in the movie <laughs> the fight scene but you know uh, scooby and shaggy come to fisticuffs and they're dodging and weaving and going back and forth up and down and that's all matthew willard just spinning in a circle against himself with you know occasionally somebody holding up a stick with a prop of scooby-doo's head on it which is is quite amazing and uh i, I like the movie overall too because it, it like i said it's very scooby-doo it has all that hijinks and physical comedy that you associate with scooby-doo and in the movie they really introduced uh you know it starts like the very first uh, scene of the movie it opens on the super iconic you know they're catching a ghost they're you know they're laying their trap scooby and shaggy are you know misstepping and daphne's getting kidnapped and velma's you know getting caught in the actual live part of the trap and it was it was quintessential scooby-doo and then from there it kind of turns it on its head and and, you know the gang kind of separates and they end up you know doing their own thing and this was very true to the first scooby-doo movie the direct-to-dvd movie uh scooby-doo on zombie island and it's also something that you know i i remember hearing you know gripes about the 2002 movie was that like oh the monsters are real now you know that's you know they're changing stuff you know monsters and scooby-doo they always just pulled off the mask at the end and that is true of the series but not true of the movies so if you go back to scooby-doo on zombie island even the ad uh was like now the monsters are real and you know that was the that was the the vhs the trailer you know what was being aired on tv and I found uh, the live-action movie from 2002. It actually drew a lot of parallels from Zombie Island. So the ba- the, the band, the group, <laughs> they were a band, the Mysterious Five, uh, the the Scooby Gang going their separate ways uh, in Zombie Island. Right? They didn't actually break up. It was just the idea was that they, you know, they kind of spread out after high school. Daphne is, you know, a reporter in Zombie Island, and that's kind of what brings them all back. Um, but it, it had the same idea, the same same genre of that, you know in the live action movie they're frustrated with each other uh you know they keep doing the same things over and over again which i enjoyed you know if you watch it now as an adult you can kind of uh realize that they were poking fun at the the motif and the formula that was scooby-doo you know i always get kidnapped and we always you know get you know thrown into the uh you know like shaggy and scooby are lamenting about you know always being you know on the butt of the joke or uh having 
having to run away from the ghosts and Velma is always complaining that you know everybody steals her ideas and they never listen to her and you know I like that I found it was really refreshing it was like an idea of like okay the characters realize that or like these real life characters now uh, realize that like they're on a loop and they're venting some frustrations and they take some time apart you know, that's a, it was a healthy uh, demonstration of like you know emotional growth and, and whatnot. And, and then you know just very very similar to Zombie Island uh, somebody goes around inviting them all to you know some sort of getaway vacation come to my island and you know all the spooky stuff starts up again and they realize that they're solving a mystery and so i really love that aspect of the live action movie and you know now in you know hindsight looking back and, and watching the movie there are all these parallels that i see uh between live action the live action movie and the direct dvd movies and the you know the series there was so much fan service in uh this the, the live action movie you know with the inclusion of Mary Jane uh, that was absolutely hilarious they had uh, the love interest for for Shaggy um, Isla Fisher played Mary Jane and like we know Mary Jane is you know the, the the nickname for marijuana and you know there was this scene after the you know after the gang breaks up when it you know you follow up on Shaggy and Scooby and you know it's pastel Ducci is playing and and you see the smoke coming out of the mystery machine and like the idea is that there's stoners that's the joke that's been the long-running joke and so to have his love interest named mary jane and then shaggy's like zoinks that's my favorite name like i i like the fan service um speaking of the mystery machine another part of the, like why this movie is so iconic is production value was up there they they made i mean if you didn't make the mystery machine that'd be like making batman with no batmobile uh but the mystery machine is there it's iconic it has the colors it has the mystery machine on the side and like i said with the, the the practical and the vfx was that there was really real sets elaborate sets made up the castle scenes the roller coaster the hallway uh you know the cart when shaggy when scooby's supposed to be pushing the cart and everybody gets stuck on that uh what was it like a hotel trolley cart like it was a motorized it was like a cart on a track that's being pushed that's like automated going down a hallway and then all the actors like jump through you know a fake glass window and that's that's really practical that's really you know up there and they're they're doing their stunts and they built these practical sets that were really um they, they shows the craftsmanship and you know the mystery machine is is really part of that um so the movie had you know the first scooby-doo movie had really good reviews on a budget of 84 million dollars in 2002 money it would go on to make 275 million at the box office uh easily money to you know obviously green light a sequel and uh, you can see why so many people enjoyed uh, you can see how so many people enjoyed that movie in the box office reviews clearly uh the rotten tomatoes gave it you know 32 percent uh which in my opinion that's pretty pretty low considering that it was such an amazing adaptation but i'll always fall on the audience side more than the critics uh critics are like 
like Weatherman, no matter how many times they get it wrong, somehow people will still listen to them. That's uh, <laughs> you know just a little tangent, a little little joke about uh, uh, movie reviewers and critics. Uh, but you know everybody has their own preferences. It's something that I hit on early in you know these episodes. You know uh, the saying is "Don't yuck my yum." You know just because I like something or you like something doesn't mean or vice versa or if I like something that you don't or I don't like something that you do you don't have to diminish it or try to go out of your way to point out everything that was wrong with it uh it's a scooby-doo movie there could be a hundred things wrong with it but at the end of the day it got the you know it got the 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 envelope across it got the mission the done it succeeded in what it set out to be and what it set out to be was a funny movie for kids that was an adaptation of scooby-doo uh you know it's 2002 it was new uh this whole cgi character thing i talked about that uh you know in some of my other episodes uh this was a new thing that was happening and so it's it's interesting to see how they handle that uh you know adapting scooby-doo and creating him out of nothing that was really interesting and i i really enjoyed this movie i enjoyed scooby-doo uh scooby-doo is such an interesting character um he's funny he you know he's uh he he shows uh tenacity you know he's uh, anything anything for a scooby snack uh, you know he's a great character uh shaggy fred uh velma daphne they're all they're all great characters they all have their their different uh values and their different credits there 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 have been characters in our household and on our tvs for half a century in various forms and formats and on the big screen on the little screen uh, on your console you there's been handfuls of video games you've been we've read we've read them we've been reading them uh i'm gonna look up some of those comic books uh i, I haven't uh you know i haven't actually read any of the scooby-doo comics those are probably uh right up there with uh the tv shows i could only imagine the the great artists and and illustrations that they've put together for the scooby-doo comic books so that's something to check out uh there's a new series coming out too i mentioned those before uh, i think the next one is velma with an exclamation point and uh, i'm not 100 percent sure on when that's going to come out but that's always something to look forward to new new iterations uh, i'm looking forward to when the next uh, direct to dvd movie comes out or maybe it'll go to theaters uh, i know scoob uh, the 2019 Scoob exclamation point. They always like putting in that exclamation point. Uh, that movie Scoob was supposed to come out in theaters, but because of pandemic, it didn't. Um, that's unfortunate. But uh, so, yeah, maybe the next uh, Scooby-Doo movie or adaptation will hit theaters and we'll all have the opportunity to go see it on the big screen and uh, we'll get to talk about it again. And I look forward to that. Uh, and I look forward to getting to talk about more Scooby-Doo. Uh, and as we're talking about things look forward to this is a great time to end today's episode we've been talking about scooby-doo this has been episode 11 of the nerd review and i hope you look forward to the next episode Uh, i know i do and that's all for today everyone this is the nerd signing off